This is the Open to Alchemy podcast, and I'm your host, Lauren Ivey. I'm so excited to have you here joining these conscious conversations about the transformation that's possible for all of us. My approach to spirituality has always been part woo and part work. So in this podcast, we talk about all the incredible spiritual modalities and add in a bunch of practical things that really make it fit into our lives. I can't wait for you to join me. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Open to Alchemy podcast. I'm so excited to have Rebecca Weirman with us. She is from This Consciousness, and she is a spiritual shadow work coach and intuitive healer. And I'm so excited to have her join us and talk all about shadow work. I know some people might not know what that is. So I'm super excited to dive in. Um, Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Lauren. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. So I guess if you just want to start by sharing a little bit about your background and what brought you to this kind of spiritual soulpreneur work? Mm, that's such a good question because it's such a story. So buckle <laughs> up. I love it. I have had what feels like many past lives within this incarnation. Um, I went to school for acting and I was, you know, dreaming of being this famous Broadway actress. And while I was in school for this, I got really interested in law. And so I ended up continuing with my acting degree, but started diving headfirst into a paralegal certification and ended up writing my thesis on acting skills for the lawyer. And then I dove into law and started working as a paralegal upon graduation. That dream of being a Broadway actress was just kind of thrown out the window And I got into the legal profession. And basically what happened is I just started listening to my gut because I became very sick when I was working in law. And so it was like this activating moment of turning inward, learning more about myself and through the illnesses that I was experiencing. And one day I just took a leap of faith. I left the legal industry because it was just no longer in alignment with me. I was no longer happy. I needed something that was more creative, more fulfilling, even though law is fulfilling, just that creative side of me wanted more. And I was really passionate about plant medicines at the time. So I started building myself up on social media as a, shall I say, cannabis model of sorts. And through that, I was able to get myself a job in the cannabis industry. Well, that is when I really started to explore and step into more of my spiritual gifts just because I was in a space that was a lot more esoteric than the spaces I had been in before. So I had a lot more room for creativity and exploration. So while I was working in the cannabis industry, I just decided I was going to start offering tarot readings for friends. And that just snowballed. And I was let go from my job in the cannabis industry at the beginning of COVID And I just decided, you know what, I've taken a leap of faith once before I stepped out on a limb and started reading tarot for people. Why don't I just start my own business? Because this is what makes me happy. 
you know, I would skip events that I would have to go to for the cannabis company I was working for to work on my intuitive stuff. So it was like, if I'm no longer invested in this, I need to lean into what is important. And that was my intuitive work. And from then it's transformed from just tarot readings to using the tarot as one element in my work to help showcase where deeper healing needs to be done. And then through a series of uh, inner child reprogramming, conscious regression and shadow work, we get to this point where you are able to integrate your shadow into your daily life and get to this point where you too can live intuitively by just leaning into the things that light you up and by moving away from all the things that kept you stuck and small in the past. Oh my gosh. I, I love it. And I think it's so funny that even though we have completely different paths, I think our process of just paying attention and saying yes to things and allowing that, that windy road of not knowing where it's going to go, I think is such a beautiful example to share with people because I do think that people feel like they've either committed to a field or they've gone to school for something. And what does that look like if now I want to be something else? And I've been thinking a lot about lately how we just let our identities be almost like dictated by our surroundings versus letting who we truly are inform everything else around us. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. And I totally resonate with that because when I started to step into law, it's because the guy I was dating at the time was a lawyer. Mm. So it was this outside influence, which I'm, you know, I'm very grateful for that I went down that path, but it was the outside influence that was shaping me rather than me looking at what I really wanted. Right. Right. So you had mentioned your gut a couple times, and I'd love to just get from you what that feels like when you're in alignment. Is it like a, a knowing? Is it mm. a movement? What does that feel like? Because I do human design. And so for some people going with their gut is absolutely the way that they are designed. Um, for a lot of people, it's not. They really don't have that moment to moment awareness. Yeah. And so I'm curious how that shows up for you. So I'm a 5-1 generator with uh -huh. sacral authority. <laughs> yes, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> right. And so when I listen to my gut, what I'm usually listening to is the no feeling. My gut mm. gives me no where my heart gives me yes. And that's something that I work with my clients a lot in is identifying what expands and contracts because right. what no for me is this contracted feeling in my gut, almost to the point where it's pain. And yeah. a yes for me, when I'm in the state of yes, my shoulders are back. My, my posture is the best it's ever been. My chest is forward. My heart is open and it's such an expansive thing. So part of me is still wondering, like from a human design level, okay, is that, is, am I living my design by following that? But I truly listen to that no, that that twinge. And I think it's more, more so than just the gut because there's also like my clear cognizance that comes right. in, just that clear knowing that, you know, if it didn't light me up, if it didn't give me that full-bodied yes, then it's not for me. 
Right. And accepting whatever that is without the judgment of, well, this is something that used to light me up, or this is something that I think is supposed to light me up, or this is something that lights up somebody else. I mean, and I love that you really broke it down in between the, the distinction between the yes and the no. One of the things that I coach my clients on a lot is like the, the in-between, mm. because I think if people really do get grounded in it, the yes and the no are more obvious, I'll say in quotes. It's all of those neutral in-betweens where you sort of let the ego or, you know, conditioning or whatever it is sway you one way or the other. But your example is so beautiful for people to hear that it is very clear yes or no. And if it's in between, then it's in the no side. Like, yeah. you know, so clearly what the yes is, anything that doesn't feel as good, as open, as expansive of that moves to the no and then you just start to hone in this is what the yes is and if it's not it's not absolutely and every time you grow and you know unearth some of your shadow and face some of that what used to be a no for you can become a yes and what used to be a yes can become a hard no and you have to give yourself grace but as you lean into what truly lights you up i even have just chills like talking about this when you lean into what lights you up, that's where it just takes you to the next step. Right. Oh, so beautiful. For people listening who have maybe heard of shadow work or maybe not, what's your, how would you describe it to people? Mm. So shadow work was popularized by 20th century psychologist, Carl Jung. And um, although he is problematic in a lot of ways, in this day and age, when we look at him, um, his work was brilliant. And the shadow is a part of you. It is everything that has been embedded into your subconscious and unconscious mind. It's everything that keeps you small. It is your ego. It is everything that keeps you safe. And part of getting to this point of self-actualization or stepping into your authentic truth or living intuitively, you have to unearth and begin to reprogram everything that is living in your shadow. Because the moment you do that is when you are get able to get to the point of being your most authentic self, living in alignment with your highest self. It's about getting down to all that shit that's beneath the surface and, and bringing it up. And it's hard and it's heavy, but when you're in this safe container, it becomes easier. Mm. And a lot of us don't want to face that on our own. We need someone to help guide us because some of us just have too much shit. Right. And I was one of those people. So I've created this, this space in which you can come to me and we can use all these tools in a safe environment to help you get to that point of reprocessing, reprogramming, and learning more about yourself through what you have pushed down. And it's crazy too, because you'll see some people when they were a kid, they really, really wanted to do one thing, say, mm -hmm. let's just go with the acting. They really wanted to be an actor, but they did it for a little. And then they faced one tiny bit of rejection. And after that rejection, they completely switched. They, they started to feel unworthy, undeserving of success in that field or industry, or even if it's just a hobby. And so they stop, but what they come to realize after they've faced this is that 
this is actually the path they're supposed to be going down. So let's get them back in this place of worthiness and deservingness so they can really step into their superpower, their talents, and get back to the place of where they want to be and where they wanted to be. So is the shadow going along with the lines of limiting beliefs and reprogram that everything before the age of seven, or is your shadow something that continues to grow and evolve? Can your shadow develop or change or shift in a negative way as an older person? Totally. Okay. So your shadow, you are born without a shadow, just as you are born without an ego, but it's almost like that first second minute hour you are on this planet there's your shadow. It's immediately starting just based on if your mother was able to hold you after your birth. It starts with who held you first or were you handed over to the doctor? All of that is just being unconsciously programmed into you and that can affect your worthiness and deservingness. So it starts then, but your shadow, even if you reprogram it, is still with you and you have it your entire life. And so You can be 30 years old and have a partner say something to you that triggers something and puts you in the state of regression, and that is still your shadow. And then that's something new you have to learn to unblock and step into your worthiness again for. And part of that process, though, is if something like that at age 30 is triggering you in partnership. Well, there's most likely something that happened in childhood that is making you feel that type of way. So let's consciously take you back through a regression to get you to that point of the wounded child and begin reprogramming from that state so you don't have to then deal with this or be as triggered or affected by it again in your 30-year-old state. Hmm, That makes so much sense. So when you not dealt with it, but when you healed it or processed it or, or learned to identify it, it's not that it's never going to affect you, but that you're just better equipped to either identify it or, or see it for what it is or where it's coming from. Yeah. And I'm a big believer that a lot of problems and issues in life come from miscommunication and different perceptions. And so even though we have those relationships with other people, we can also miscommunicate with ourselves mm-hmm. and have our ego understand one thing and our intuition understand another. So it's about moving that ego elements of the shadow aside so you can just 100% use your intuition. Right. So how do you guide people to access their shadow? So it's highly individualized based on the energetics of the person and what they have shared with me based on their traumas and their conditionings and how they're feeling in the present moment. But one of the ways is through tarot. Tarot is a very powerful archetypal tool that can reflect back to us the subconscious states we're in and what we need to um, do to begin healing. So I sometimes, and it's just sometimes, I can't say I do it all the time, I will guide people in this extensive tarot reading. I also feel into, as someone who's clairsentient, feel into what the other person 
is experiencing in that moment. And intuitively I'm able to tell, okay, this highlighted something, Mm -hmm. let's take that back into a regression. So then I'll take them, okay, close your eyes in the middle of the reading, close your eyes. I want you to just sit. We'll do like this consciousness expanding little exercise that basically just allows them to open up energetically, puts them in this like encapsulated light bubble of golden white light. So you feel that love and support as you do this work. And then I'll start prompting them through questions that they have to repeat back. They have to answer out loud because when you hear it, you're able to reprogram. So I don't want anyone answering quietly or in their head and I'll continue prompting and I'll continue prompting. And sometimes I have clients that are screaming while they're in this point. And I'm not saying like screaming because they feel unsafe. It's, it's, they're screaming because they're releasing so much. They wish they could have said, or they're laughing hysterically because, um, it's actually a funny situation, but they've held on to it so closely for so long that it started to hurt, but then they took it back in the regression and they're laughing. And then some people they're just crying because they, they are feeling for the first time, all the things that they didn't want to feel. And the simple act of just feeling those emotions that were repressed is enough to get them to this grounded centered state again. So those are just two little things that I'll do. There's so many more, but those are some of my favorites. Mm, It sounds incredible. And it sounds like your mix of modalities really offers people such a personalized experience to help them find the healing that they specifically need, because it's true. We're all are different every moment of every day. So even something that I think, you know, and I love your opinion that maybe worked for you last week, maybe this week, Mm -hmm. you need a different way to access things. Yeah. And that comes up a lot too. And I'll have clients that'll come to me and they're like, I don't like visualization and I don't like journaling. Okay. Heard. (laughs) figure out something else that will work. And so a lot of the times, like if you're wanting to do a shadow work prompt, instead of journaling it, go on a walk and voice note it, Mm. walk that prompt out aloud. And for me, I love journaling and some days I hate it. So I have my journal and I have my voice notes in my phone. And eventually one day I would like to have them all in one place but it allows you this flexibility to lean into how your human self is feeling while you work with your emotional and spiritual self as well. So what do you say to the people? And I think this comes up for me and also other people that I've talked to about it that really don't want to play, acknowledge, marinate in the darkness that feel like they have a different way of healing, or they're afraid maybe of bringing up some sort of past trauma or reliving it, or, you know, let's say they've had a situation with a family member and now everything is good. Why do I want to go backwards into that? Mm, That is a very good question. And I think there's two uh, trains of thought and two avenues that I can go down to help better identify and explain those. 
The first is there are the people that just don't want to address the pain and trauma they've experienced. And to those people, I explain what spiritual bypass is because spiritual bypass is all over the spiritual and wellness communities. There are people who are preaching love and light, but when they get oat milk in their latte instead of almond milk, they're screaming in the barista's face. And it's if well, if you're all love and light, there's clearly something that happened that's creating that reaction from you. Mm. So I think you do need to go to the depths of your unconscious, to the dark, because you cannot have light without shadow. You have to be able to sit in those shadows to unearth those issues, those problems, the things that keep you small. Because if you never do, you're never going to be living a life of intuition and ego. And I will be 100% honest, I used to be one of those people. I did not want to address my pain. And I found myself preaching love and light, but at the same time, like couldn't even handle myself in a corporate work environment, couldn't even uh, be alone or present with myself. Hmm. Well, and I get it too, because everybody's been through a different amount of trauma, whether it be, you know, little T, big T. And I mean, sometimes we're just tired. (laughs) You know, you're tired. It's like, how many times do I have to go through this or talk about this? Or, you know, you feel like you get to a place where maybe you're at like a, a nice plateau and then this thing comes around again. And it's just like, I understand it. And I, I totally see what you're saying. And I think probably so many people approach it not from a perspective of that they think they're taking a shortcut, just that it's like mm-hmm. they've reached what they feel is yeah. is their limit on doing that kind of work. But I hear what you're saying is that in order to truly break free from it, just like grief or anything else, you have to walk through it. Yeah. And that comes, I mean, don't even get me started. Like time doesn't exist. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But- oh, I'm so obsessed with that right now. I can't, we'll have to, we'll put a pin in that for right now and circle back to that. Yes. That's everything. Yeah. <laughs> but of course in the human world, we heal with time. Right. But I had a peer the other day, actually, who was on my podcast, give this example and it, it, it lit me up. So I'm going to, I'm going to share it with her here. Her name's Morgan Blackman and she's a financial wellness coach. And she was talking on my podcast about how if you are so centered and focused in love and light that there's still trash beneath the surface and you can start planting all these flowers, but eventually those flowers are going to die off. And what Mm. smelled sweet and pretty and was beautiful is no longer going to exist because all that pain is just going to start coming to the surface, all that waste, all that garbage. And then that's really when people think it's too late to... Uh, unearth that when actually it's never too late. It's a perfect time. <laughs> it's it's the best time. But yeah. hey, if you can get ahead of it before it gets to that point, even better. Right. Oh, I love that example. I was just talking to a dear friend of mine yesterday and we're both sort of in the muck right now, I would mm-hmm. say. And I have been experiencing these last, mm, I guess I would say month, two months, who knows, time. Um, mm-hmm. almost like this void space. And it's sort of what I was sharing with her yesterday is that I feel like this is such a period of emptying 
It's clearing, it's cleaning, and it is unnerving because I almost feel like this foundation for which I've spent my entire life always growing, always changing, always evolving, always moving forward. So it's not unusual for me to be in this space of of tumultuous energy, but never with this level of um, just void space. I don't even know how Mm. else to explain it. And she was also sort of mirroring back that we're just emptying out. And then hopefully from this new, clearer, cleaner space, we can refill, we can really pull in what we want, because I think she and I have both spent a lot of our lives, not even really connecting with the, the deepest truth of who we are, the deepest truth of what we want, what our purpose is, what our future is, in, in the sense of it really connecting with us. I think there's an element of you know, you just do the best you can with the information that you have available. Yeah. And then you get to a new layer and all of a sudden it's like, all of that was real for the person I was then. And now I'm a new version. And now I have to reconfirm if all of that life that I built up around me really supports the new version. Yeah. I was just having this feeling yesterday because I too feel you and empathize with you because I have been in that same state as well, where I'm like, okay, I know I'm in this dark night of the soul period before the next up leveling comes around Mm -hmm. for me. But it was one of like the hardest dark, still kind of is one of the hardest dark nights of the soul I've ever been in. But I kept telling myself, I just want to get back to the old Rebecca. I just want to get back and be her again. She was so wonderful. And it hit me one day while I was in the bath, obviously, because that's where all my inspired (laughs) thoughts come from, is that it's not about being the old Rebecca again. It's about surrendering into the space, this dark night of the soul, and allowing the new Rebecca to emerge the one who not only has the tools that the old Rebecca has, but the one who has gone deeper than the old Rebecca has, the one who has continued to show up and expand herself and who has new tools. And now I'm telling myself, I am the new Rebecca. And through that process of affirmation, I've been able to not only affirm to myself, but also do deeper work to step into this new evolved Rebecca. And I'm sure in another year, hell, maybe even six months, three months, whatever, I'm going to be in that same state where I'm like, okay, I'm ready for the new Rebecca, this constant evolution to meet myself. Mm, Incredible. I love that you shared that and were vulnerable and expressing that because I do think that there is I don't know if it's a misconception, but this idea that people on a spiritually driven life, either it's an easier path or that like you, you get to a level and you do get to levels and you do understand more. I certainly have energetically, you're just so much more sensitive to the place where you are and and outside energy and collective. And so there is growth and there is movement and progress, but it's not 
like you've checked the box and all of a sudden you're you're there. Here I am. I'm healed. I'm <laughs> all yeah. sunshine and roses. And so on the other side, I understand why people are like ignorance is bliss. I'm just mm -hmm. going to live along in my 3D life where I'm sucked into this and sucked into that and don't really have to feel or consider or dive in that much. Yeah. I mean, spirituality is amazing. And, but I'm not going to say that it's the easiest path to take. It is complicated. It is challenging. And you said it best that sometimes ignorance is bliss, but having awareness can sometimes make showing up a lot harder and healing doesn't have to be hard. It can be fun and it can be easy, but that requires a certain mindset. Mm. And sometimes it requires some unearthing and some shadow work to get to that mindset before that ease can take over. But I mean, my spiritual journey has been nothing but challenging. Right. Yeah. And so do you believe in a spontaneous healing or a immediate healing that once you identify and reprogram that you just release it and can be that new version? Yes and no. I think that having one session can be so motivating and so inspiring that you just want to make that switch. But usually what I see happening, and not just with my clients, but with myself when I have worked with other healers, is that I'll stay consistent in that work for maybe about three days. And then I am back to my old habits and patterns. So as much as I do believe in it, creating some sort of change, it's also something that I believe requires consistency. And that consistency can be 10 minutes a day journaling or audio noting, voice noting a prompt, or it's meditating for seven minutes. It doesn't have to be this, I have to pull a tarot card in the morning and then I have to sit in meditation for two hours and then I have to have a green juice and take my probiotics and then I'm going to go do yoga on the lawn. And it's like, okay, your 10 minute morning routine just became this full day thing. Mm -hmm. You don't need to do that. I mean, you can, if you want, it sounds like an amazing for Yeah. I want that day. <laughs> right. But I don't, and you don't, and anyone else who is listening doesn't need to do that, to do that every single day. You right. can begin healing with five minutes. So what are some of your favorite rituals or routines for embodying this beyond the, the deep work that we do in sessions? Mm, embodiment is one of the most important steps, embodiment and integration. And so I would say the biggest way is just to live through the way you speak to others. And so having compassion and grace and also instilling firm boundaries and having um, a desire to communicate. So say that you are triggered by something that comes up in your real life outside of session. Old you might've blown up in someone's face or old you might have pushed that down dealt with that feeling of unworthiness. And then a month later, you're, you say to your friend, 
hey, I just want to talk about something. And it's like a month later, they've forgotten about it. You're kind of not clear on the situation, but it's affecting how you show up in the friendship. Well, that's what old you would have done. New you, the person who is trying to integrate and live the embodied life, new you in that moment where you feel triggered would make sure that you feel safe, secure, and grounded enough to speak up and use your voice and say, hi, I didn't like the way that was received. That is my perception of it. Uh, and I just wanted to let you know how I was feeling. Mm. And that is one of the smallest, most powerful things you can do, because not only are you sharing how you're feeling without uh, placing expectation on the other person's reaction to you sharing that, you're also stating a boundary and you're telling the person, hey, in order for me to live authentically and in tune with my highest self, I don't want you making that comment about me because that puts me directly into a state of unworthiness. Mm. You're immediately dealing with the situation so it doesn't have time to take root. It doesn't have time to fester. You're not going to turn it around a thousand times in your head. You just sort of take a moment to recognize what you're feeling and then simply share it with love and compassion and grace and then not taking responsibility for how the other person then takes it and and what their next steps are because that's another piece that I think people get tripped up on. They, They are very clear on how they're feeling and then they're very concerned about what the other person is going to do with it, which we can't have any responsibility. Right. We are our own people and they are their own person. And the biggest thing I think us as humans do is place so much expectation on other people when we share how we're feeling or when we expect a certain response from them. And it's, you, you just can't do that because you're always setting yourself up for resentment and further feelings of unworthiness because they didn't meet your expectations. So you get this feeling of, well, why am I not worthy enough for them to make this change based on what I've shared? Well, perhaps they might feel triggered by something that you had said and they're still working through that. Or perhaps they're shocked that you instilled a boundary for the first time in your friendship or relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, Or they realize, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that, but they still need time to process themselves. So just don't place expectations on people. It is the, the biggest, not mistake, but it's one of the easiest ways to set yourself up for sadness. Right. Oh, definitely. I totally, totally agree with that. And then you even wonder why that other person's response or reaction has any bearing on how you're feeling about yourself to begin with. You're saying something because it's in alignment and it's honoring your truth. And I think it's so beautiful true, to model that. And it's okay if other people don't understand or they're looking at you or they're taking it in however they are, I firmly believe the more we just stand in our truth and power and authenticity, the more it allows other people to access it themselves. Because I think that's part of the reason why we're 
doing this work. It's yeah. part of that ripple effect that you don't necessarily see or know. And then all of a sudden, a year later, somebody says something to you that a comment that you made was really impactful to them in the best way, because all of a sudden they started opening up or considering something and you're like, what? That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, one person's consciousness changing ripples out and changes it for the collective. And so many of us see that within our family dynamic. One of us becomes more spiritual. Next thing you know, your partner or your parent or even your child is like leaning into that because they're curious about it too. The same way that traumas and conditionings affect us based on society on a, like a societal level, the same thing can happen when we're transforming them and alchemizing it into something that is lighter. So once you've unearthed those traumas and you step into the light and start living that authenticity, more people are going to see that more people are going to want to do the same things for themselves. And that is just change on a global level. And I can't wait till we get to the point where, oh, oh my gosh, I just have chills thinking about it. Yes. Yes. It's so true. It, it does feel like they're is such a density in certain areas, certain topics. For me, I feel a lot of this um, duality. Mm-hmm. And that is also an interesting place to be where you start to recognize such a distinction and difference between feeling light, feeling connected, feeling everything flowing, and then also being in a space of more density, more negativity, more just pain and sadness and, and trying to navigate those two worlds. I think each person has a different place where they are on that, Mm -hmm. on that spectrum of energy. Absolutely. Because it's, even though there is duality and polarity, it's not all binary there is that space in between. So I'd love to hear how you decided to move into the business. I know you talked earlier about just not wanting to do the law stuff and skipping events when you were in the cannabis world. And so what did that look like in terms of your self-talk and the courage that it took to move into that? That is a journey. So (laughs) it all starts off great. It's a form of shadow work in itself, starting your own business. It starts off great. You feel so good. And then all of a sudden you're not booking anyone. And then it's those immediate feelings of feeling not deserving, feeling like you made a mistake, like you're a failure. And the imposter syndrome really starts to creep in. And I was in that state for, for a bit, like everything was, was fine and dandy. And then I just hit that plateau and I thought, well, I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to be successful, but that required me to turn inward, to look at what I was doing, how I was showing up. And the biggest thing I realized was that I'm sticking to what I know. And although that is great, I'm keeping myself small. So the biggest step I had to take, and I'm still working through this, I don't think it's ever going to really end, is challenging myself to feel big, to push myself out of my comfort zone. And I think so many businesses that are successful are the ones that are constantly striving to be better, constantly 
moving forward rather than just being like, okay, everything's working now. We can just uh, sit in this comfort for a while. So it's those companies and brands and solopreneurs who are pushing boundaries that are really seeing the most success because they're not willing or wanting to stay small. And so that is where I've started to see the most success was the moment I stepped out of my comfort zone, I started to see success. And Mm. that required so much courage, so much bravery. And I just kept reminding myself, you've taken so many leaps before and you've always landed on your feet. Every leap you've taken, spirit has placed these stepping stones beneath you that have guided you along the way. So as long as you keep listening to your intuition, you will be okay. And you have to fall in love with the journey. You have to, because the journey provides you with so much growth. Like I said, it's shadow work in yourself. You just have to show up within that do the shadow work for your business, open up your business's Akashic records, open up your own Akashic records and, and try to find this balance between how you show up in your business and how your business shows up in the world. Because another thing too, is we think that we are our business and energetically, sometimes that is very toxic for us as individuals, because all we can think about is business and creating content and getting more clients or the next thing, but we also need to have that energetic boundary where we can shut off at night or shut off at the times that are uh, appropriate for us. Mm, I love that. And I think that goes both ways. I think not only is it a protection from getting sucked into whatever's happening with my business is what's happening with me, mm-hmm. meaning it's, if it's not going well, then I'm not well. If it's not right. successful, then I'm not successful. But also from the flip side of looking at your business as its own energetic entity, yeah. that what would you do separately, differently in terms of positivity and giving it a chance and, and putting all of that beautiful, just letting it be, letting it stand, letting it have a chance gives it an entirely different perspective and way of approaching it without letting your ego prevent you from being small with it. Yeah. I mean, I know my birth chart. I know my human design chart. I also know my business's birth chart and my business's human design chart. And for me, once I looked at those even though I don't understand them completely and fully, it helped me create that energetic boundary as well as physical boundary too. Yeah. What did you pick as your birth date for your business human design? Some people say it the date that they thought about it. Some people yeah. say the date that they created their social or their website or the day they booked their first client. What did you use? I used the day I made my website and paid mm. for the domain. So I believe that's like March 12th at like 12 in the afternoon or mm-hmm. something like that. I love and, that. Yeah, and it's so- just a fun thing. It's, you know, for people listening that are new to this, it's just another opportunity to play, to explore, 
and just give a different perspective on it, particularly if you, I think, are feeling out of alignment or in between space, or like you said, really just having this issue of not being able to see it as a separate thing. That's a great tool to be able to say, okay, it is different. I was born in this day right? (laughs) and my business. And also for people like me who have had lots of iterations and continue, which it sounds like you have too, as once you, let's say, launch your spiritual business and you're doing an Akashic Records, and then maybe you do a Reiki training, and then maybe you do shadow work, you know, we have this ability to grow and evolve and take on new tools. And that's where I think the identity piece of it can get tricky is that you can feel like, there's an element of the imposter syndrome or the the unworthiness or the lack, whether it be because you want to take something and you feel like you've already gotten something underway or, and I'm sure you've experienced this too, feeling pressure because so many people have so many <laughs> offerings yeah. and certifications and modalities that if you feel aligned with one modality, that is your modality and don't feel the pressure to then be adding on just for the sake of it. Yeah. And I would also add that if you have more than one modality, you kind of have it harder than everyone else because people come to your website and they see all those options and it's immediate decision fatigue. Yes. uh, That's uh, what I've like in the process of completely overhauling my website because I feel like as I've grown in the past year, my website, I don't think reflects what it is truly like, you know, narrowed down. I think the modalities are almost secondary. Like those are my tools in my toolbox. I need to be clear on the message of what I'm offering somebody. Each of the individual pieces that I use in a varying degree, like you do in a session are really secondary, but I think we often get lost in people say like, well, do you do Reiki? Do you do human design? Do you do this? Do you, you know, and you want to have it all out there, but I, so thank you for sharing that and (laughs) helping me say like, yes, that's exactly right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I know for myself, like I just redid my website about uh, three, four months ago And I've noticed that once I got rid of get a 30 minute tarot reading, an hour long tarot reading, a 30 minute energy healing session, an hour long, you know, all these options where I, I, I mean, I just, I had so much on my website that even I would go to it. And I was like, what? I don't want to click anything because it's so overwhelming. And that's when my intuitive healing containers were really birthed because I was like, I don't need to call this one thing you know, in an intuitive healing container, we do the shadow work, we do the energy healing, we do the tarot readings, we do Akashic records readings, we do all these things with the end goal of integrating the shadow and living life as your most intuitive highest self. Mm, That's such beautiful guidance. And I'm so, so grateful for you sharing that. Because one of the things that I hear people say is that it is overwhelming to launch. It is overwhelming to get started. And that even your whole perspective on the shadow of yourself as a solopreneur, Mm -hmm. I guess it's different for everybody because, and I was talking with somebody about this the other day that 
we have obviously different challenges and different things that come up during our lives, but it does feel like for some people it's contained in the business entrepreneurial space. Yeah. For some people it's contained in the relationship space. For some people it's contained in maybe the familial mm. relate, you know, so I'm separating love and, and family relationships. For some people, it's just really them, themselves and their own sort of inner healing. And so I just think it's interesting that I guess we've chosen in this carnation to have one area where it seems to be that that's where we're digging in to do our work. And so if you are really feeling called to soulpreneurship, that is where your work is. And that is where the journey of authenticity and, and digging into the shadow is what you're meant to do. So I'm so glad that you touched on that. Mm, thank you. It's always so fun to share. So where can everybody find you? How can they work with you and, and get a hold of you? Yeah. So the best way to find me is always just going to be through my website, thisconsciousness.com. I am on a bit of a social media hiatus right now. Just needed to disconnect from my well-being. But if yeah, you do want to follow you. me, yeah, we, I, we all need to do it. If you do want to follow me on social media, my Instagram is thisconsciousness. But the place where I am most active in creating content is my podcast, and that's called Creating Consciousness. I will send you, Lauren, um, like a little freebie of mine so people can get that. If Amazing. There are 10 shadow work journal prompts to help start your healing journey. And when you sign up for that, you get added to my email list. So you'll learn more about what it is that I do and how you can work with me. But I always just recommend checking out the podcast, creating consciousness and heading to my website. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you. You have such an incredible breadth and depth of healing modalities that you have your fingertips mm -hmm. on. So I'm just so grateful for you being able to share all of those. I know that so many things are going to resonate with the listeners and be able to potentially open their eyes to a different way of looking at this work that we do. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor and such a privilege. I'm so grateful. Thank you all so much for listening to the Open to Alchemy podcast. You can find more about me on all the social places, Instagram, Facebook, Clubhouse, at open.to.alchemy. That's open, the word T-O, alchemy, or at my website, opentoalchemy.com. See you next time.